The Keep Birth Wild podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land, sky and waters on which this project is produced, and we pay respect to Elders past and present. We extend this respect to all First Nations people on whose country we live, birth and raise children. We acknowledge the ongoing leadership, resilience and commitment of First Nations people who continue to fight for their right to safe and culturally appropriate experiences of pregnancy, birth and postpartum, and we commit to continuing to explore our own role in that journey. Lastly, we honour and celebrate the ancient birthing knowledge and practices that have existed on this country for thousands of years. May this wisdom continue to nurture life for many generations to come. Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy, and through this series, I'll be speaking to parents who chose to birth their babies at home. Join me and my guests as we hear honest and heartfelt stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. In this episode, Rachel shares the story of her son Patrick's birth. Rachel had a really straightforward conception and pregnancy and shares some special moments from that time, including when she discovered that she was pregnant and told her very clucky partner Liam that he was finally going to be a dad. Rachel chose to have a big birth team with lots of family and friends, as well as her midwives, to offer support and wisdom through her labour and transition to motherhood. She shares about the different roles they each had during her birth and how loved and supported she felt to have all of them there. Rachel takes us through each stage of her long labour and the relief she felt when her baby was finally born. As Patrick was being born, Rachel tore quite badly and needed an extended repair, which her midwives are able to do at home. Her description of the love, care and attention to detail she felt from them during the repair and her reflection of the way that that type of care, if given routinely, could create a ripple effect and change the world is just breathtaking. Rachel also briefly speaks about her experience of late onset postnatal depression and I would like to flag that she briefly mentions suicidal thoughts. If you're not in a space to hear that part of the story, just pause the episode after her midwives go home and they are alone for the first time as a family of three. Before we dive into this episode, I just want to briefly remind you that if you're listening regularly and loving the show, there are a few ways that you can help support me to grow my listenership and to receive some financial compensation for my work. Some helpful things you can do include screenshotting the episode that you're listening to and tagging me in your Instagram stories, leaving a star rating or review on your listening app, recommending the podcast to your family and friends, sending a one-off PayPal donation, or considering signing up as a patron to the show via Patreon. Patronage starts at as little as $1 a week, which is great value for a weekly podcast in my opinion, and although it sounds small, it does all add up. I'm really passionate about encouraging women to reduce the amount of unpaid labour they do, because we do the vast majority of it, and ask to be paid for their work, so I'm making sure that I hold myself accountable to those values too. Of course, if you're in a tight financial position, as lots of us are, there's no obligation to do that. But if you can spare the dollars and think that the value is there, then I encourage you to follow the links in the show notes through to my website and find out more. And with that said, let's dive into today's episode with Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Would you like to start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, um, I uh, live live in Wangaratta, which is in rural Victoria, uh, with my husband Liam and my son Patrick, who has just turned two in December. And uh, I was a registered nurse, but I'm now doing the 
stay-at-home mum thing. Uh, my husband is a paramedic. And, yeah, I think that's us. Hmm, beautiful. And, um, yeah, going back to Patrick's conception, would you like to share a little bit about your journey to um, making a decision to start a family or his conception? Yeah, sure. Um, I, uh, I always knew I wanted kids. Um, when I uh, met my husband, I knew that he was really clucky. <laughs> we were actually friends for six, seven years, I think, before we got together. Um, and he was just ridiculously clucky. Um, uh, when we got married, I sort of in my head, um, had, well, I actually, you know, voiced to him that I wanted to wait a good few years before we had kids. I, um, you know, just wanted to, we hadn't actually lived together before we got married and I just sort of wanted to have some time with just us and just enjoy that and get used to that. Um, and so our plan was to wait a few years, but, um, after we had been married for six months, <laughs> we, uh, so it was it was planned, um, but it was somewhat uh, the planning was somewhat quick, if that makes sense. So uh, he was doing his graduate year in paramedicine. Um, so we knew that at the end of that year he would be posted to anywhere in the state uh, for his permanent position, um, and so. I was super nervous about that. We lived in the Yarra Valley at the time and I was planning to live there my whole life. <laughs> um, and I just felt a little bit like I didn't want to have, I knew that we were planning to have kids in a few years and I was a bit nervous to have our first baby when we'd just moved to a new community. You know, it could have been the other side of the state. It could have been Nildura, it could have been anywhere. Um, and I wanted to be around my family when we had our first baby. And I was just telling my husband this, just telling him that I was a bit nervous about all that. And he goes, well, we could try now. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, long story short, we decided that we would try then so that we would, and it, you know, in hindsight, I think, mm, I don't know if that was probably it was in some ways young and foolish, but we did anyway. But um, the thinking was that we would at least have, like, give birth and have our first few months around family um, and it ended up working really well because it didn't end up being that we had to we didn't have to move to Mangarada until uh, Patrick was nine months I think so it ended up being a great decision for us but I think um, it's lucky <laughs> mm, yeah yeah so yeah we had two cycles that we decided we would try in and if we didn't get pregnant in those two cycles then we would be cutting it too close and moving with too young a baby so we thought well then we'll it's either in these two cycles that we're going to get pregnant or we're going to put it off for another five or six years. So it was a little bit, uh, I guess there was a little bit of pressure, not put on me by anyone else, just by myself. <laughs> but um, we were really lucky. Uh, we actually tried for the first cycle and um, I, looking back, I actually think that we probably did conceive, but it just didn't stick. Um, I don't, for me, I don't feel it was... Uh, miscarriage it was super early it was before we confirmed a pregnancy but um i had really sore breasts for a couple of weeks and then i got my period really really uh, a lot earlier than i normally do and it was just a lot worse than normal like just agony and <laughs> really heavy um and i just mm. think oh i think something probably happened there and didn't stick um and i think that really in some ways it was good for me um because i think then I realized that I really did want 
to because I was still in the, I'm a bit unsure about this, are we being stupid? Um, and then I sort of went, oh, I was sad when that, when I wasn't pregnant, which is silly because it was only been one month, but, you know, I knew we had only two cycles to try in. So um, then we tried the second cycle and we're just so, so lucky and I know um, so many people have so much trouble conceiving and it's just such a hard road. We've had quite a few friends going down that road and we were just really, really lucky and we, yeah, we got pregnant with Patrick on the second cycle. Yeah. It's really, really awesome. <laughs> and how did you feel in that first trimester? Did you have any symptoms sort of start coming up straight away? Um, yeah, uh, yeah, pretty soon. We actually went camping, um, which are <laughs> uh, the things you don't know. <laughs> it ended up being great, but I just hadn't thought about the fact that I was going to be nauseous pretty much the whole camping trip. Um, but, you know, in hindsight as well, you go – like I sort of think it's a lot nicer being nauseous camping than it would have been at work. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was it was good, really. Uh, I did a lot of napping in the car um, while Liam drove, and did a lot of sleeping in the tent, and not a lot, not a lot else. Um, but yeah. it was a really nice time, just really relaxed, and just uh, camped at various beaches, and we actually um, went up the east coast and we went up to Byron Bay and just yeah it was it was really nice really nice but I definitely didn't feel great <laughs> yeah um pretty nice yeah. to have that time to kind of just connect and yeah get, get excited together and he must have been over the moon wanting to have a family oh, so much. he was beside himself when I actually um did the test I didn't tell him and I <laughs> I came out of the bathroom and I thought you know I'd find a fun way to tell him but I totally didn't. I just held it up to him and I said, is this what I think it is? And it was really beautiful. He actually jumped in the air. <laughs> I just think of it now. I still cry when I think of it. And he just, um, just, just became airborne. Like he just jumped <laughs> up and he goes, yay! <laughs> I've never seen him be such a little kid, but it was really beautiful. So oh, he was, that's yeah, so he lovely. was aside himself. Um, but I was really lucky in pregnancy. I don't, like... I think at the time I felt like, oh, it's so uncomfortable and it's really hard and I'm really tired. But looking back, I think I was really lucky and I did enjoy being pregnant. I really loved, um, I loved going down the street and having the old ladies stop and rub my belly. And like, I know that's not for everyone. And I totally think people should um, ask before they do that. But, but I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. And everyone, you know, giving you their two cents, which I always thought was funny. Oh, it's a, it's a boy because of this, because your bottom's sticking out or <laughs> all these funny things they say. Um, and I just, I just loved it. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Lovely. And had you thought much before you fell pregnant? I mean, it sounds like a pretty short decision and you weren't imagining that you'd be making decisions about care providers for, you know, <laughs> quite a few more years to come. But had you... Yeah sort of thought about what sort of model of care you'd like to go with before or um, was that something that you started to look into after you fell pregnant? Yeah, um, I think we looked into it while we were trying or just before, like just when we were deciding that we were going to try. Um, and I think it was actually uh, part of part of our when we were deciding will we try now or not uh, we ended up once we decided that we were going to have a home birth which um yeah that was a decision to come to actually i'll 
talk about that first. <laughs> Sorry, a bit out of yeah, order. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so my, I had never, would have probably never considered a home birth if I didn't um, marry Liam. Um, it was actually, his mum had four home births. Um, uh, well, all her kids at home. Um, and so for him, it was really just normal. That's just what you did. Um, and I don't think he ever questioned it much or he just thought, well, you don't have babies in hospital because you're not sick. Um, and my mum had had all her babies in hospital and I've had um, a really, particularly her first birth was really traumatic. Um, and she'd been really careful not to um, traumatise us in the way that she talked about it because I think in her mind it was like um, there's no point going into it fearful because it's just is what it is but you just deal with it when you're in it kind of thing mm. um and she told us you know we knew it was really hard and we knew that um that it was really painful for her but she didn't she was yeah she still talked about it in a positive light and talked about the moment that she held us and she said since you know well I, there's no point scaring you <laughs> if you've got to go through it anyway so I do appreciate that we didn't have horror stories as such but um we definitely, I definitely knew that mum's births were really intervention heavy um, and I just, um, I guess, just bought into the narrative that that was, you know, thank God we had that because that kind of saved, that saved her and saved us and we're so lucky that we've got that in our country, which I agree with to a, to a degree, but not probably in her case. Um, and yeah, as I sort of started to talk to my husband about it, he he really because of his mum, he really loves loves birth and loves babies and loves all of that stuff. It's just something that his mum's really passionate about, and so he picked up on that from her. And we would talk about it, and I sort of sometimes had a bit of a bit of an attitude of, oh, you know, what would he know? He's a guy. <laughs> he was about mm -hmm. to go through it. Um, but yeah, we he suggested home birth. I think just really just in the couple of months that we were. Uh, that we were trying to conceive and I uh, originally I just sort of said well it's actually my choice <laughs> and he was good he was he said yeah it is but why don't we just think about it and um, actually it's, it's um, I think it's so beautiful how he handled that because he's not always good at <laughs> backing off on his opinions nor am I we're very very hot-headed people but he really just um, yeah, it just went, okay, well, it might be something to research, though. Why don't you just look into it a little bit? And I did, and I don't, I still, you know, I still surprises me that I did because I'm not very good at <laughs> listening to other people's advice always. But I uh, just remember one day I said to Liam, okay, well, I'll consider home birth, but if I, I'm going to research it, and if I find that it is even, like, slightly, even... 0.0002 of a percent more risky to the baby, then I'm not going to do it. And he, and I mean, it's interesting in hindsight, it sort of feels like a different me now, but I don't, I wasn't really considering maternal outcomes or anything like that. I just was thinking at that time, well, it's about whether the baby lives or dies, um, which shows a lot about the narrative I think that I had about birth from our culture. Um, but yeah, so I sat down and I just poured, I had my laptop open, I had journal articles out and printed off a whole bunch of different studies and um, was looking at my um, nursing databases and uh, just doing a whole lot of 
uh, reading of different studies. I had my calculator out and I was <laughs> sort of getting all, going to the results section of all these studies and, you know, entering everything in and working it out. And I just did this for a couple of hours, I reckon. I must have looked like a mad woman. And Liam was coming in and out of the room and just kind of, okay, whatever. <laughs> She's doing her thing. And then he walked in at one point and I just said, Liam. I put the calculator down and I looked at him and I said to him, it's safer. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh. Because I don't think he'd specifically thought about it from a statistical perspective either. Um, but he hadn't thought it was more dangerous. He just hadn't really looked into it in that regard. Um, and I said, it's safer. I said, only marginally. Like, but it's just looking at infant mortality, it is marginally safer than hospital birth. And I was so shocked. And I said to him, we're having a home birth. <laughs> and, and it's still funny to me that that's the only thing I was really looking at. I did notice in the studies as well that talked about maternal outcomes. And I did say to him, and it's better, like significantly better for maternal outcomes. But um, I wasn't particularly, I don't know why, because now that would be at the top of my radar, <laughs> but it just really wasn't. And I, I think you have that, oh, it's all about the healthy baby mentality. Um, so I had that at the time. But, yeah, that was that was really it. And he was really excited about that. But he tried to tone it down a bit and not say I thought <laughs> so, which was lovely. <laughs> um, yeah. So we, yeah, we actually contacted um, a close friend of ours, Julie Bell, who you may know of from Blue Yeah, Harris. yeah. Um, so she's a good family friend of ours. Um, and I knew she'd had home births. And um, growing up, I'd always thought, oh, she's our hippie friend who has home births. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I contacted her and said, oh, do you know any midwives um, around? Can you recommend any home birth midwives? And she just sent me a little list of local home birth midwives and we uh, emailed uh, Robbie and Lisa, who were your midwives too, I think, um, uh, from Yarra Valley Midwives. And this is before we found out we were pregnant. So it's so funny in hindsight. They always laugh about the fact that we contacted them before we conceived. Um, But... I just wanted to know, I sort of went, well, I need to find out how much it costs because if we can't afford it, I'd sort of, I'd suddenly decided that I'm definitely having home birth. I'm never having a hospital birth. <laughs> and I don't know how that change just happened, but it did. And I sort of thought, well, if we can't afford the home birth yet, then we're going to have to not get pregnant now. So yeah, we got, we got the details from them. And then we sort of, we went and I think we actually caught up with them once before we were even pregnant. <laughs> so funny. Um, but yeah, that was that was that really, and we met them and absolutely fell in love with them. They're just the most you would know. They're just the most incredible people. That my absolute heroes. They really are. Just <laughs> I have no no words to explain how incredible they've been for us. Um, and yeah, we just fell in love with them and then got pregnant, and that was how we chose to home birth. Really. <laughs> oh, so beautiful. Yeah, Robbie and Lisa are amazing. I think um, I might have to. I've had. I've got another few interviews that I've just done with their clients. I think I'm gonna have to oh. change it to the Yarra Valley Midwives podcast. Yeah, I think. Of course. <laughs> yeah uh, it's a bit like that. <laughs> and um, yeah, how did you? You've sort of said that I think you enjoyed the rest of your pregnancy and were and were fairly well in retrospect, especially. But um, did you choose to do any other types of birth education or anything else to prepare for your birth besides what um, Lisa and Robbie offer as part of their care? Yeah, we did. Um, so I finished work up at 34 weeks in the end, just because I wasn't um, 
I it was a really hectic job just on my feet for the whole day. Um, essentially, felt like I was running all day and um, not getting breaks and things like that. So I ended up finishing up uh, at 34 weeks, which I felt really embarrassed about at the time, and which is so silly in hindsight. Um, I don't regret it at all. Best decision ever. But then in that last, um, in those last weeks, I just we just took it so easy and we did um, a course with a weekend course with uh, Emily Mortar. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's no. Osteopath and birth educator. So she actually came to our house. Um, I think it was two days in a row over a weekend and just did a little course with us. And obviously Robbie and Lisa do heaps of birth education as you go. Um, and uh, so I don't know that we learned anything specifically new about the process of birth or anything like that in this course, but I remember it being really, really special. Um, and she really helped us to have some conversations around uh around some of my fears as well, which I didn't really know I had. I didn't feel like I was fearful, but just little things like um, we were planning to have uh, a lot of people at my church. <laughs> um, I'm very much a people person and I just wanted to have, uh, we ended up having my mum, my sister, uh, who was eight months pregnant at the time, <laughs> um, my mother-in-law um, and the our two midwives and a student midwife as well and then Julie Bell um, I think that's everyone so it was quite a full wow. house in our little yeah. tiny house um, but you know doing this um, this course with Emily she uh, just got us to do she actually got us to do some artwork and stuff like that and talk a little bit about some of our uh, both of us about some of our, our fears and some of our excitements. And one of the things that I realised in that course that I hadn't even realised was that I was a bit nervous and this sounds so stupid because I'm not a private person really at all, um, but I was a little bit nervous about being naked in front of my mother-in-law. <laughs> and oh. it's so, like, it's so strange to me to think of now because I'm just, like, I grew up in a family where, like, my mum and my sister was just, like, didn't it wasn't a thing worrying about being naked in front of each other or like but I just I think I had in my mind that they were a bit more conservative than they were and I didn't know them super well we'd only been married six months and um I thought maybe she was a bit more conservative and I just thought she would think it was weird if I was walking around the house naked in labor and I just <laughs> I just it's so funny once you've once you've labored you're like that's ridiculous she's had four kids she's not gonna think that's weird but I thought for some reason, oh, she wouldn't have walked around the house naked when she was in there. <laughs> and we just, just the fact that we were being asked some of the things we were nervous about um, meant that I suddenly realised that this was something I was worried about. And I'm so glad we did because if we didn't talk about it, then it could have been a thing for me and I might have shut down a little bit and things like that when it came to the labour. Um, but I was able to verbalise that to Liam and he said, no, well, mum was naked in a hall of her births. <laughs> and I was like, was she? He goes, yeah, and I said, how did you know? And he said, well, I've seen all the videos. And <laughs> I sort of went, oh, what, she was just walking around the house naked? And he's like, yes. And I, and it was just, just the fact that we had the conversation and then that was it and I wasn't worried at all after that. So That seems so funny that you thought she was I know. conservative and she's had four home births. I know. Probably not that likely. It's so <laughs> funny. I just really don't. I, I think I wasn't involved in the home birth uh, culture or 
scene, I guess, and I just didn't really know much about it. And in my mind, she was more proper than me. <laughs> it's just so funny. I really, some of the things you think in hindsight. But I'm just so glad because I really think for me that might have been a, a sort of a sticking point that might have shut me down a little bit. Um, yeah. And just there was quite a number of things like that that came up. And just talking about them made me go, oh, that's fine. Okay, I can cross that little fear off my list. <laughs> so it was really helpful and Emily was just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And heading into the final weeks of your pregnancy, how were you feeling and um, and how did labour kick off for you? Yeah, I, well, it was leading up to Christmas. So Patty was actually due on Christmas Day, um, which uh, everyone said all the way through my pregnancy, oh, that's so bad, that's terrible. And I was just so excited that it was due on Christmas Day. I just love Christmas Day. It's my favourite day of the year, every year. I can't ever sleep on Christmas Eve. I'm just so excited with <laughs> all the people around. And So I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm having a Christmas baby. This is beautiful. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was busy in, in a way leading up to Christmas. Um, but I still, I wasn't working, so I was able to just take it really slow and summer and it was beautiful I just did heaps of walking um and we'd go and hang out with my mum during the day and we'd go down the river go down the river with my little sisters who were uh, seven and 12 at the time my younger foster sisters and just go down the river and hang with them I remember them like painting my belly with mud finger painting on my belly with mud and like <laughs> all sorts of like in the river and we just had a really slow time in a way even though it was the lead up to Christmas uh, but I think you always get to Christmas and you're a little bit tired <laughs> so um, yeah I felt I felt really good but at the same time there's a excitement that I think for particularly for a first time mum and maybe I'll be the same next time but I don't think it will be the same it doesn't feel like I'll have the same level of I am so desperate to meet my baby that I need to meet them right now and sort of I think from 37 weeks onwards, I was like, it's any day now. Because people tell you that at 37 weeks, that's technically full term. And it's just such a silly way to look at it. And I will never look at it like that again. <laughs> but I did. And so I was doing all the things like, and in my head, I was telling myself it was because I was uncomfortable. And I wasn't, I wasn't really, I was just so desperate to meet him. Like, I was so excited. Uh, so I, you know, I ate a whole pineapple pretty much in one sitting, which is the best <laughs> thing I've ever done. Um, and no, actually, I've probably done worse. But <laughs> I just, like, my mouth felt just, oh, it felt awful <laughs> after eating this whole pineapple. And I did, like, so much walking. I'm just walking and praying that I would go into labour. Like, this is at 38 weeks. It wasn't even a full term. And then on... Christmas Day, I went, um, oh, and all the raspberry leaf tea and all the dates and all the, oh, my gosh. Um, and then on Christmas Day, I, after after Christmas dinner, I was like, I'm going to go for a jog. So we're at my parents' house and went for, yeah, went outside. And I was like, oh, gutter walking is meant to be a thing. So I basically went for a jog with one foot down the ditch. <laughs> yeah, road and one foot up and I thought I was flying along and Liam was walking next to me <laughs> um and I must have looked hilarious waddling along but I just and I just think why was I in a rush like I still now I look at it and I go well that's induction like it's not it's not medical induction and it doesn't have the same impact but 
it's still trying so hard and doing all the things to kick your baby out. <laughs> and I don't yeah. know why I was doing that. But I just, I was just so, you're just so excited, I think. And so desperate, so desperate. And everyone had been telling, I was huge as well. I put on like 24 kilos when I was pregnant. So everyone had been telling me, I had this huge belly. Everyone had been saying, oh, you're having twins or, oh, you're going to pop any day now. And I've been hearing you're going to pop any day now from about 20 weeks. So I think I got to 40 weeks and I was like, that's it. I should be done now. <laughs> um, yeah, but he actually, actually went into labour on my due date, which is super unusual. But um, I was super excited because, you know, Christmas. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went for this, this gutter, gutter run and then came home or back to my parents' house and everyone had gone home. Uh, it's just my mum went to bed and my younger siblings went to bed and it was just Liam and I and uh, my dad there. And uh, the movie Notting Hill was on the telly and it's my dad's favourite movie. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, Yeah. And he was like, oh, I'm going to stay and watch Notting Hill. Do you want to stay and watch it with me before you go home? And we were like, yeah, okay. And so silly. I should have been getting all the sleep I could get, but, you know, next time. <laughs> and so we sat there and watched this movie and I was just sitting there on the, on the uh, exercise ball and sort of bouncing and trying to move and trying to, you know, I just never held still, I think, because I was trying to make things happen. <laughs> so I probably started but I'm a little exhausted. <laughs> mm. But... Um, yeah, I felt all of a sudden like, I actually think I noticed it first when I was looking at my belly and it sort of looked like it tightened, but I couldn't feel it yet. And I watched it go really tense and sort of just went hard as a rock. I put my hand on it and I thought, whoa, that's weird. Um, and then it relaxed and then it did this over and over for, you know, a couple minutes in between a few times and I just kept feeling it thinking oh that's funny and I sort of thought oh this must be what Braxton Hicks is because I haven't had anything like that during my pregnancy and then I noticed Liam was watching me out of the corner of his eye and he goes what's going on <laughs> and I said oh nothing and he goes no tell me and I just put his hand on my belly and he goes oh there you go that's something <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm sure it's nothing and then over the course of the movie I uh, I, I must have already had like labour hormones making, putting my head in a different place. I just wasn't thinking because I got up to go and pee about eight times during the space of this hour and a half long movie and I didn't think anything of it. I just don't know how I didn't think anything of that. <laughs> it just seems so obvious that that's not normal. Um, but I, I got up and my dad would pause the movie and I'd go on pee and then come back and and then three minutes later I'd get up and go and pee again and he'd pause the movie again. And I just didn't even occur to me, why am I peeing so much? Or like, you know, this is this is weird. <laughs> and Liam, uh, after about six or seven times, I remember he, was, he said to my dad, just stop pausing it. And I turned around and I was like, that's rude. I don't want to miss the movie. And... He said, well, we're never going to get home if we keep pausing it. So anyway, I since know that he'd realised something was definitely going on and he was sort of a bit anxious to get me home. Uh, we lived about half an hour away from my parents and he just wanted to get me home and he knew that I wouldn't leave until the movie was done. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, the movie ended up finishing and 
Liam very quickly jumped up and sort of guided me out the door and, you know, I stood there and hugged and kissed my dad and I was like, oh, bye, I love you, you know, and we always joke that my family, we say goodbye 25 times. <laughs> we follow each other out to the car and keep talking and keep talking and, um, and Liam was like, let's go. <laughs> So we got in the car and on the way home, I still, there was no pain at all. Um, but on the way home, uh, I, it started to feel like period pain. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't unbearable by any, by any means. I was talking through it, but I went, Oh, it actually hurts a bit now. Um, and Liam said, you're in, you're in labour, Rach. And I was like, no, I'm not. That's ridiculous. Um, I think I just didn't want to be excited if I wasn't. Um, and then he said to me, your your surges are every three minutes. And I, was, I said to him, how do, how do you know that? You're not timing. How did you know when I was having one anyway? And he said, because I know you. <laughs> just looked at me and said, are you stupid? I know you. I can tell. And I was a little bit annoyed by that. I don't know why. I was just sort of being like, oh, what does he know? Um, anyway, we got home and I walked in the door and Liam went about just setting a few things up and I was still a bit like this, getting ahead of himself. Um, and then I went to the toilet and had a show. And I think it wasn't until then that I went, oh, something's actually happening. And then I got excited and I came out and I said, oh, we're going to have a baby. <laughs> and he just looked at me and he's like, what? I know. <laughs> I've already called your mum and your sister and told them. <laughs> and, again, it's probably all second time around. I think we'll just hold off a bit on all that stuff. But you don't – I think you can't be told to some degree. Maybe some people can, but we couldn't. <laughs> and we called Robbie and uh, – beautiful midwife and she listened to by this stage it was definitely ramping up and I couldn't talk through my surges and it must have been probably I'm gonna say two or three in the morning so a few hours we've been at home a few hours by this stage um and she said I'll try and sleep she said you definitely you're definitely in labor um and I remember thinking oh, I must have exaggerated my breathing or something while I was talking to her because now she thinks I'm in labour. That's not good. Mm. <laughs> and uh, anyway, she said, try and go to bed and try and have a sleep and, you know, we'll see you in a few hours. And I just I couldn't sleep. I went to bed and I tried. And I don't know, I can't actually remember if it was because of the pain that I was having or if it was because I was excited and, you know, I guess there's probably a bit of adrenaline and I just couldn't sleep. But next time, that's the first thing I'm doing. Next time I have a inkling of labour, I'm going to be going straight to bed because <laughs> um, it was not a short labour. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the, my mum and my sister came round. But, uh, sorry, I'm just um, going on and on. Yeah, yeah, no, any beautiful. questions? So anything that you wanting wanting me to actually answer rather than just talking at you? No, you're do, you're doing a beautiful job. You can oh. just tell the story of your labour, and I'll jump in if I need to. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. So my mum and my sister arrived. This is like it gets very blurry for me, and time was not a thing. I didn't look at the clock once. I don't. I really don't know what times things happened from about here for the next twenty hours. So. 
I, yeah, I'm, it's probably going to be out of order and I don't know what times everyone arrived, but my mum and my sister arrived first and I think that was about 4 or 5 a.m., um, which is probably a bit premature, but that's okay. I was just really excited and I loved that they were there. <laughs> um, and I was leaning over the exercise ball and just swaying and I was still in a space where I could, but, you know, they were, they were every three minutes or so, um, and I was, but I was still in a space where I could talk and laugh in between them, in the, in the gap, which uh, changed not long after that. But I remember thinking, oh, this isn't too hard. Like, <laughs> I can do this. And, you know, turns out it was really hard. <laughs> but I think it's good to, to think that at the start. I don't think there's any, any harm in thinking, yeah, this is great. This is going to be easy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was just really lovely with my mum and my sister there. And I had a, I remember I, was, I had bought a little, um, like a loose beach dress that I just thought, oh, well, I'll labour in that. And um, I think I wore it for about 10 minutes. And then I was like, get this off me. I need to be naked. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's lucky I cleared up the whole mother-in-law thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but... Uh, was there anything, was there anything, no, that's all right. Was there anything in particular that you were sort of doing during that early labour that was helpful in managing the surges? Um, yes. Uh, so I think Liam was doing hip squeezes, but I don't think I was aware of it at the time. I only know that from photos and I'm pretty confident that helped. I know that I wanted him right there for most of it. Um, and I didn't really want to let him go anywhere. <laughs> so, uh, and I was, le- you know, leaning on my mum, leaning on my sister in all different positions. Um, I was kneeling a lot and um, walked around the house a bit, uh, spent some of the time leaning on the bed and a lot of the time, a lot of the time in the lounge room. We had the birth pool set up, um, but I didn't get in that for a while. Um, I don't actually even know when it got filled. I don't know how that went. I don't know if that was... If there was any problems filling that, I don't. I was so oblivious. Part of the benefits of having a lot of people there is you don't have to think about anything like that because they all work it out amongst themselves. Um, but yeah, my we also had a tens machine that I actually found at the op shop, um, and it was it was good, I think. But I think in some ways it was just a distraction, um, and I don't. I didn't have back labour as such, uh, so. I think in some ways it was probably just, oh, it's something to do. Here comes a surge. I've got a button to press. It's probably more psychological than anything else. I don't, it's not something that I will, that I would say to anyone who's pregnant, you must have a TENS machine. Although I know for some people it was their, you know, their absolute lifesaver that they loved. Um, but yeah, I, I had, had, affirmations up on the wall and I was reading them and we had beautiful playlists um, of uh, beautiful hymns and some Christmas carols too which I, I had to mm-hmm. have for my Christmas baby. Um, That's and, so beautiful. Yeah and I had I think I feel like everyone had a bit of a different role um, you know just everyone having all those people there they all have their amazing strengths and I don't I don't think I'd done, uh, I'd done a lot of preparation, but I don't know if I'd done a lot of preparation for uh, 
ways to manage the contractions. Um, I don't know if I'd thought that much about that uh, in my pregnancy. It's um, hard. You don't really know what you're preparing for when you've yeah, never laid it before. Yeah, that's right. And I'm sure people would have given me lots of advice and things like that. But I, I think that's not that wasn't my focus. I was thinking about the actual birthing of like actually pushing him out and mm -hmm. not a great deal about how to manage the contractions. So it was, I mean, it was definitely a bit of a shock to me how intense they were. <laughs> and I definitely didn't have a, um, I wouldn't say I found contractions pleasurable or anything like that. I was, they were very intense and I was quite shocked and, oh my goodness, these are very painful. But um, I still feel that it wasn't any, at no point did I feel like anything was wrong, which I really um, credit that to my birth team and my midwives. I just felt like this really, really hurts, but I didn't feel like anything was wrong or I was in any danger or anything like that. So I think for someone who wasn't as prepared as I could have been, I think I was, I think my midwives really, um, I just think if everyone had that kind of care, then the world would be a different place. <laughs> um, because they just really made me feel so protected and like it was all so normal and that I was just so safe, which is so, it's just, maybe it's luck. <laughs> it's just necessarily do all the work that I should have done towards it. But I don't think you can know that. I think like you said. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think yeah. that's how we managed it really early, just, you know, doing some um, reading my affirmations. And I had my mum was just so beautiful. She just always, I think mums just always know exactly what to say. <laughs> just always had all the right words. And I'm such a words person and she knows that about me. <laughs> and she just knew exactly what to say. And she'd come up to me and just sort of, you know, um, rub my forehead and just say, you know, soften your eyebrows just soften and just relax your face and, and relax your jaw. And for, you know, considering she hadn't experienced any kind of intervention free birth or anything like that, or had that kind of care, I just think it was just purely her mother's instinct. I'm going to cry. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and she just, just so beautiful, just so, so beautiful. Um, and she'd act I've actually since found out that she was really terrified when I said I was having a home birth, but she's, a uh, very, very beautiful and wise person in that she, um, and very selfless, she didn't say to me that she was freaked out by that or that I shouldn't. For her, it was, well, that's entirely her choice. She was just nervous about it for me. Um, so I didn't yeah. even know that she was worried during my pregnancy, which I'm just so grateful for because I totally value my mum's opinion so much that I may have been swayed by that if she had have said, oh, I don't think you should. Um Oh, that's so beautiful to have yeah. her and that support and that person. Yeah, yeah it sounds Absolutely. like you had a very amazing birth team. Yeah, oh, just the best. Just oh, I would do it again like that a hundred times over. And I know that, you know, for a lot of people, um, undisturbed birth is being alone with just their partner um, or, you know, care provider if they choose that. But for me, it was I was still undisturbed birth because these were people that I – trusted with my life and, you know, I'd handpicked this team and they all had such incredible um, 
roles in it for me and I always had someone always the entire time I had someone right there with me which is just just that's my personality (laughs) um so my at some point my mother-in-law arrived I have no idea when that was um but at some point she arrived and she was incredible she spent a lot of time um uh doing a lot of stuff in the kitchen. She spent a lot of time feeding everyone, um, a lot of practical stuff, huge amount of practical stuff, you know, emptying out my vomit buckets. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she just didn't stop. She's just a, she's a machine. She just, like, just works, works, works. <laughs> um, and then she'd come over and she'd, you know, this is a beautiful, beautiful photo of her um, just sort of um, just stroking my hair. And she just, she was so, un- like, unintrusive and just so beautiful I think um we have yeah uh I'm just just so blown away you hear things about in-laws all the time but I'm just so blessed (laughs) I really am and she was just beautiful and she'd come from that you know perspective of having had home births and yeah just so so lucky to have her and she'd also you know stocked my freezer with meals and all that sort of stuff and she was beautiful to have there. My sister was there who was eight months pregnant and just like soaking up all the oxytocin in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was super special being pregnant with her too. So I loved having her there. I think um, she was planning a hospital birth at the time. I don't, I don't think she was, planning, I know she was planning a hospital birth at the time, but I think for her um, it was, in some ways it was hard being there. She was really tired. It was really hot. Um, it was December. Um, and, you know, I'd said to her, if you need to leave at any point, that's fine. Um, but she was just so beautiful as well. And she couldn't, she was, you know, uh, couldn't do as much from a practical perspective. <laughs> but she was so lovely and just held my hand a lot. And she, you know, gave me cool face washes and just talked to me. And just knowing she was there because she really, like, she's, She's just my best friend, and it was just so special. Um, and and um, student, sorry, go. Oh no, that's fine. You, you no, go. no, 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 no. I'm just rambling. <laughs> no, that's fine. We might just jump forward a little bit to um, after your midwives had arrived. Um, yeah. So what sort of happened when they arrived, and and how did things progress as you sort of moved into active labour? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember them arriving, which I actually think is really amazing because I think they were so, they're just so, they've got such a peaceful presence and they're so unobtrusive. So I still don't know when they arrived, but there was, you know, they were there for a long time before he was born. So (laughs) I think it was sometime in the early morning um, that they arrived and so did Julie, um, the student midwife, Julie Bell, the student midwife. Um, And, yeah, my midwives are so hands-off and they knew that's what we wanted. and they really just let me do my thing, to be honest. And they, I look back at some photos and I just think they're doing some incredible acrobatics using that Doppler on, all, on me in all the weird positions I was in. And they, I didn't even know they were doing it. Just they never said, okay, you know, hop up on the bed or hop up on the couch so we can listen to the heartbeat. Or they just, there was no internal examinations, which I, you know, I said that I didn't want to, but they don't do them routinely anyway. Um, I can't think of anything worse than bees during labour, to be honest. Um, and they looked at the pepper line, um, which I, 
didn't even know about at the time, but they've since told me about that. My mum told me that they told her about it during my labour and showed her, and she thought that was the most incredible thing ever. She goes on about it all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. And they just really, I feel like they were in some ways in the background and in some ways they were just coaching my family on how to help me, which is just so special. Um, and they were, they were really supportive. Um, and they, you know, come up and hold my hand and tell me I was doing a great job. And, um, but I really, I feel like everyone sort of buzzed around me and I was in a different headspace and I'm not a hundred percent sure what everyone was doing at the time. Um, but yeah, as I, I don't know either when I moved into active labor, I just didn't, time wasn't a thing and I never felt on the clock. I'm just actually really grateful that I was in that kind of haze um, because, uh, you know, at some point I was on the toilet and I was walking back into the kitchen, not into the kitchen, into the lounge room. I walked past the kitchen and the blinds were open and I saw, you know, the sun really high up in the sky and this bright light coming in. And I just thought, why is the sun up there in the nighttime? (laughs) Because I thought it was still Christmas night and it was like the following afternoon. But it had just been this, uh, I think it must have been all the hormones, you know, you're just in this complete other headspace. And I'd been worried that I might watch the clock and I didn't even know what a clock was in labour. It didn't even occur to me to look at the clock. Um, Yeah, just feeling so, um, so was normal um, but I did my labor did stall um, at some point uh, and it stalled for quite a long time I don't think I even was aware that it had stalled I was probably just enjoying the rest um, and uh, Robbie and Lisa were just so incredible I've um, since talked to them and said what would have happened if I was in hospital and they said, oh, they wouldn't have liked the stall and they probably would have put some toast in it up um, to get things going again. But what they did was just said, okay, we're going to do a few different positions for you um, and we're going to help Liam to show you how to do those. So we went into uh, into my bedroom away from everyone else and they recognised when that needed to happen as well, when I needed that space with just Liam because I wouldn't have recognised that. Um, and they did something called a, I want to say a pelvic tilt, but I'm not 100% sure what it's called. I think that's what it was. Um, yeah. And they got Liam to stand behind me, leaning up against the door, and then I leant back on him and he put his hands under my belly. And then um, Robbie said, for 10 contractions, um during as the contraction comes on Liam needs to lift your belly up and hold it up and then he can lower it down after the contraction and I was oh that's the worst pain I've ever felt in my life (laughs) that is the worst part of my labor I cannot explain the pain that that was and I actually I think I must have um I think it must have almost put me like I think while doing that his, he came down lower because they just said to me, well, I just want to help baby move into position. Um, they didn't stress me out. They didn't even say, oh, your labor's stalled. I didn't even know it's stalled. But they just said, we're just going to help your baby move down into position because um, he wasn't obviously engaged. 
Uh, and doing that lifted my belly up and allowed him to slide down into the birth canal. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense. Um, but that's what they were doing, I've since learned. Um, but it was, yeah, really painful. And I think as that was happening, I was probably starting to transition. And I said, I, after I think six of them, I said to... I said to Liam, that's seven. And he goes, no, 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 that's six. And I was like, no, it's not, it's seven. <laughs> and I looked at him really harshly. And I remember Robbie just sort of with a smile on her face and she just said, ah, that could be seven. <laughs> so, we, so we only did nine. Um, and then they tucked me into bed with pillows um, all around me and on my side and did um, the side-lying side release, I think it's called, spinning babies things. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'd done stuff like that during my pregnancy as well, so I was familiar with that. Um, but then after they did those positions, I think they did three different positions or manoeuvres, so to speak, um, and then after those they literally just tucked me into bed and Liam and then they all left. They said, we're all going to go. And everyone left the house and they went, I don't know, where they, they all went out for lunch somewhere, I think. <laughs> and... <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't even aware, really, that they'd left. I was just in bed, and they said, "Have a sleep." So I remember thinking, "That's a bit stupid. I can't sleep. My surges are quite close." Um, but they came on strong again then, and I that a hundred percent. There's no doubt about it that that kicked things off again and got Patty uh, right down in my birth, in the birth canal and uh, right down engaged, and I. Um, we sort of slept on and off, and every time I had a contraction, which was about every two minutes, I would shake Liam awake because <laughs> mm -hmm. I couldn't. I just was like, "Well, I'm doing this. You've got to do it with me." <laughs> um, but it must have. I don't know how long we were like that for, and I must have got a whole lot of really little thirty-second sleeps, which I actually think really helped. Um, at the time, I thought, "Well, this is not going to help. Like, what's what's a thirty-second sleep?" But I think when you have a whole lot of thirty-second sleeps in a row. <laughs> <laughs> it can actually really do you a lot of good. And they knew that. Um, and anyway, so after I don't know how long I've been sleeping, and I suddenly sort of, it was like I suddenly sat up and I said to him, I need to get in the pool. And something had shifted. I don't, I wasn't really even, I don't even think I was consciously aware that something had shifted, but I just knew I had to get in the pool. And I had been in the pool, I should say, I had been in the pool at some other point in there, and I think that might have been when everything slowed down. So I jumped in the pool and everything was happening from there um and Liam called uh, midwives back and gradually everyone trickled back in and my mum my sister had gone home and had a sleep and my mum had driven her and she lived 20 minutes away so I just remember being really nervous all of a sudden that my mum wasn't going to be there when I when I birthed Patty and I'm not sure why that was, but I just really wanted her there. And I remember saying to Lisa, where's mum? And she said, oh, she's on her way. And I must have asked Lisa 10 times, where's mum? Where's mum? Where's mum? <laughs> and she was so beautiful. She just sat with me and she, you know, was on the phone texting mum. And she, she said, oh, she's 10 minutes away. And then she'd say, she's five minutes away. And then she'd say, she's pulling in the driveway, Rachie. <laughs> and um, and then she said, look, here she is, look up. And I looked up and it was just like, oh, now I can have my baby. <laughs> so just so funny, really, what, what things go through your head. But um, that was my, I guess that was, she was 
part of my safe space. And my water's broke in the pool. Um, and I'm not sure if that was before. I think that was just before my mum got back. Um, and it was the weirdest feeling. Like, I'm sure it was this huge, loud pop that everyone in the room could hear. Uh, but it wasn't. Uh, but I was so sure everyone heard. And I was just like, did you hear that? <laughs> and they're like, no. And I was like, something popped. Like, it was this really... Yeah, it was like I guess it just felt like having a balloon pop inside you, which is what is actually essentially happening. Um, but and Robbie just said, "Oh, yeah, that, that'll be your orders." And and um, then it sort of progressed through for the next hour or so. I think just um, just going through the surges and leaning on the edge of the birth pool, and Liam was just sitting on the edge there with me, and. Um, Julie was really beautiful, actually. She'd been given, giving me um, her beautiful birth boost herbal tinctures throughout the labour as well, and um, everyone's trying to help me to eat and drink, particularly in that last stage. Um, and you don't feel, really feel like eating, but um, Liam came up with this beautiful idea because I just sort of didn't even have the energy to chew. People were trying to give me little things to chew on, and I just didn't. You just don't you just don't have that energy and it had been 19 hours i think by this point and liam just got a jar of honey and just dipped his finger in it and he'd just hold out his finger and just like i'd lick the honey off his finger like suck the honey off his finger and it was just and it just gave me i think it just gave me some energy and it was so easy to do that i wasn't picking anything up and holding it myself i wasn't having to chew anything it was just the easiest thing and i'm just thought that was really clever of him <laughs> mm -hmm. um and yeah I fell I was when I was kneeling towards the edge, uh, on the edge of the pool um I just felt like I don't I'd never felt the urge to push that people talk about um but my body just pushed um I don't know if that makes sense it wasn't like oh this is an urge I've got to try and resist it I didn't even, I didn't have the urge to push because I didn't push at all, but I felt him moving down and I uh, felt like, again, I felt like it was audible in the room. I felt like everyone would be able to hear this, uh, this noise of him moving down. I felt like everything was creaking. <laughs> that really makes sense. But it was like, um, in, when I listen, when I look at the video, I can, I did like the really, you know, noise at that time. But that everyone else would have been like, oh, that this is happening. But I didn't even hear myself do that. But I just, he was moving down and I felt like everything was like, everything was stretching. Like my whole body, all my insides, I felt like all my organs were moving. Like it was just the most bizarre feeling. Um, and then I really had wanted to birth uh, on my knees or standing, sort of in a squatting position or something. But it was just, I think it was the exhaustion and I suddenly just felt like my knees couldn't hold me up. And I just said to Robbie, can I lie back? <laughs> and she said, yeah, of course you can. Like, you're in the water. So I, like, leant back. I wasn't lying down, but I was sitting reclined kind of in the birth pool. And, um, yeah, I don't, it was, I think it was about an hour and a half from when I got in the pool to when he was born. But it felt like five minutes to me. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't 
feel the ring of fire as such. And again, I never made any conscious effort to push or I don't think, I don't know what it feels like. I still don't know what it feels like to push, but it was like, um, that sounds so weird. It was like my body was uh, almost, this sounds super weird, almost like vomiting out a baby, <laughs> like just doing it, just pushing him out. Um, and I think it was like the contractions weren't painful that I remember in that point. So it was, it was relief in a lot of ways. Um, and I, I quite enjoyed that. But I was so I think I was really exhausted as well. And I don't know that I um, was yeah, I just don't think I was thinking. I don't think I was in my in my head during any of my labor, to be honest. I think I was just I really felt like I was almost watching myself do this. Um, but as his head started to crown, um, Liam, so oh, it was so beautiful, you know, Robbie and Lisa had said, oh, just pop, pop your own fingers inside and see if you can feel his head. And I could, and that was really, that was real motivation as well for me. Um, and uh, Liam, with uh, his background as uh, Ambo, um, he has a little bit of, obviously a little bit of understanding, particularly how to um, manage uh imminent birth um and so he just knew he was sitting in the birth pool with me by this point I should say and he put his hand down to just put a little bit of gentle pressure on the top of Patty's head as he came out um and I just swatted his hand away I just in that moment I was like don't touch like I don't know where that came <laughs> from but just no one touch me right now um just pushed his hand away and you can see it in the video and um I totally regret that now but um his head came out. As his head came out, um, I uh, I still struggle a little bit to, to talk about. Uh, it's a little bit. I think it's a little bit hard in some ways just to talk about this, just because it's such a. I, I remember that like this moment, like it was. It still makes me sort of suck my breath in a little bit. But I um, I tore up the front as his head popped out. Um, and, uh, Robbie's since said to me, you know, he actually sort of flicked his head backwards a bit as he came up, um, like as though he was flicking it out to look, to look out, <laughs> um, and I guess flicked up the top. So I didn't, well, I tore a little bit in my perineum, but not a lot, but I tore, um, yeah, up the front, my labia and, uh, along the side of my clitoris and, um, I remember that just being this rush of pain um, and there's a little video of just the last few minutes and I, um, you can see that moment that, you know, I'm just, I'm quite cool and collected and he's coming out and I'm breathing and then all of a sudden I just sort of let out this loud whimpery yell and I, <laughs> kind of thing um, and everyone was really beautiful and it's okay, it's okay, it's okay and it was okay after that um, and his head popped out and then you can see this beautiful rotation, just the most beautiful thing, watching them rotate. And that's just incredible that they know how to do that. And um, and then I think it was probably a minute and a half or so of just his head and 
my, I could hear my mum, everyone was sitting around the birth pool and my mum said, oh, he's got a lot of hair, Rachie, like you. And Well, not he, because we didn't know it was a boy. Um, and everyone was just being so beautiful and you can hear my mum crying, going, Rachie, 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 you're doing it. And it's just so, like, just so special. Um, and, yeah, and then Robbie said to me, with the next contraction, he's going to come out. And... And he did exactly that. And I picked him up out of the water myself. And it was just, it was honestly just relief at that point. I was so, like, so happy to meet him and to have him in my arms. But there was just a lot of relief. And as I picked him up, I, you can see, I can see a lot of this, a lot of my memory comes from the video. So sorry, I keep referring to that. But sort of I threw my head back, like, it's done rather than look straight down at him but he was on my chest and it was really beautiful and he was this I do remember thinking he was <laughs> this really pretty shade of blue um and I knew uh that that was nothing to worry about and he had this beautiful thick coating of vernix and I just was rubbing his back and I think we really do have an instinct to know when something's okay and when it's not and I just knew that he was 100% fine. And I was just rubbing his back and he let out this little cry. And Robbie and Lisa were still sitting down, like a bit back from the pool, which I just think is just so beautiful that they didn't feel the need to even be right there or have their hands right there just in case. Like they just really trusted me and trusted Lee. And it was so special. Um, and, yeah, he let out this little cry and it was really special. But we sat there you know, Liam and I had a kiss and we sat there for probably a couple of minutes and all of a sudden, like, I'd been so excited to find out whether he was a boy or a girl, but I completely forgot. It just didn't even, it was just a baby <laughs> and he was mine and I did not even think for a second, oh, what is he? As soon as he came out, like, I thought that I would. And after a few minutes, someone said, is it a boy or a girl? And I suddenly was, I got really excited to look and, you know, lifted up his little leg and said, oh, it's a boy. And then Liam announced his name and it was just, it was really beautiful. Um, but as I sat there a bit longer, I think I started to realise, I knew that I'd torn because I felt it and I started to realise that, well, this is actually starting to really hurt. Um, uh, we sat there for... Uh, we sat there for probably an hour in the pool, which was just so beautiful. Um, again, it felt like five minutes. Um, and he wasn't particularly interested in breastfeeding, but he just sat on my chest and everyone came, my mum came over with a with food for me and was just spoon feeding me this delicious stew <laughs> and in the pool still. And Liam's mum came over and was giving food to him and there's this gorgeous photo of Liam's mum basically feeding him and my mum feeding me and Patty sort of on the boob and it's just like Liam saw it he said oh it's three mums feeding their babies and <laughs> it's just beautiful um and Julie gave me um some tinctures and a nosebleed tincture and afterbirth tincture Julie was so beautiful as well. You know, she would just come up during the labour and just whisper beautiful things in my ear and just beautiful encouragements. And she said at some point, you know, you know you're about to make noise if you want to. And I sort of went, oh, I can. And that was really nice. And she'd been so gorgeous. And she, I remember she came up afterwards and kissed me on the head and gave me a tincture. And it just felt like oh, I just, I, you know, I can't wait for that bit again. <laughs> it just felt like 
there was so much love in the room. Um, and yeah, I, after, I think after an hour or so, I know that Liam had said he'd been keeping an eye on the color of the water and so had Robbie and Lisa and, um, they noticed that, you know, it was starting to turn quite a darker color and quite a dark shade of red and that they were just thinking, oh, if we do need to get this placenta out, um, at some point. Uh, and I didn't even, no one said to me, oh, we're a bit worried about the amount of blood. And I'm so glad. I just think I didn't have to worry about a thing. Like looking back on my birth, on my labor, there was a number of things that I know people would have said, oh, we're a bit worried about this, or we're just concerned about this um, if I was in a hospital setting. And I did not have any awareness that there was anything to even consider to be concerned about during any of my labor or even afterwards and i'm so grateful because i just i didn't need to worry about it um and no one stressed that they noticed i was bleeding quite a bit and robbie just said to me okay rach we're just going to get you to stand up slowly and um we're going to squeeze a pressure point on your shoulders and then your placenta will be born and i i still think it's so funny i remember thinking at the time wow they're pretty confident in themselves. <laughs> Just the way they said it, it wasn't like, um, you know, we're going to try and see if this helps. They just said, oh, and then your placenta will be born. <laughs> and I sort of went, okay, and stood up and they did just that. And they literally squeezed my shoulders and my placenta basically fell out of me. And I just, I still can't even, I still can't quite fathom that and why that's not, a common practice if it works so effectively um but yeah my placenta was out and then they helped me out um out to the couch um and i remember they asked our beautiful student midwife josie to help me uh, over to the couch and i remember robbie saying at the time and i remember this because because i'm a nurse and we're very you know we have to be very aware of ohs things and they always say never catch a falling patient you know got to look after your own back first and all this sort of stuff and I remember Robbie saying if she falls catch her we're not in the business of letting women fall um and it just made me think you know these midwives are so much more concerned with well they just they just sacrifice so much you know they just give so much of themselves and and they're not going to just let me drop to the floor because because they've Got it, which would actually be reasonable because they do have to look after their backs. But just going, they're saying to this student, we're not in the business of letting women drop to the floor, catch her if she falls. Um, and I just remember feeling so looked after in that moment because I knew that if I was in a hospital and I fell, that they have to step back. They're not allowed to catch you. Um, and so walked over to the couch and that's when I needed to be uh, stitched up. Um, and my beautiful sister, who was uh, with her beautiful big belly, sat on a chair and held Patty on her belly. And it's just so, like, I think about it now, it's very corny, but very emotional thinking. Um, you know, his little cousin Lucy, who was in there, and that was, you know, the, they had a little cuddle. <laughs> um, and they're now just absolute best friends. Like, they just cannot get enough of each other. 
and mm-hmm. uh, so she sat there and she had the placenta in the bowl on her lap which was very impressive for someone who was eight months pregnant with a very strong sense of smell and feeling a bit nauseous and I just in a hot room and I just think now how did you do it she goes I just tried not to look at it and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and just tried to look at his face <laughs> but <laughs> there's just beautiful photos of that um and Robbie and Lisa said to Liam we need some really good lights here to stitch Rachel up and he is very literal my beautiful husband and um he came back from the shed with his two huge painter's lights on stage <laughs> 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 and, and they were like Oh, that's good. That's like theatre lighting. <laughs> so, so I, you know, under these painters' lights, got stitched up, and it took um, over an hour and a half for that. Um, it was quite quite a mess, um, and they were so meticulous and so beautiful. And my mum just watched and cried the whole time, and just said to them, "Thank you, thank you, thank you." She had actually torn in the same way, um, and I'm. I know that it's quite, it's actually very rare. So for anyone who's pregnant listening to this, please don't worry. It's very, very rare. I've never met anyone else who's torn like this except my mum and her mum. And my midwife said they've only met one other woman, I think, who's torn in this way. So don't worry. (laughs) Um, But she, my mum just cried and just said, thank you, thank you, thank you. I would have remortgaged my house for this kind of care. Um, And she just said that the whole time. She just said, I don't know why I like because they they kind of botched it a little bit for her and she still has ongoing issues, um, so many ongoing issues from uh, the injuries that she sustained during her birth. Um, And she just was so amazed at the care that Robbie and Lisa took and they were both kneeling down the whole time, this whole hour and a half doing this, and they were talking about it with each other and trying to come up with the absolute best possible way that they could stitch this because stitching isn't just oh you stitch in this line when you're dealing with something like that it's it's really complicated I've um, done I've been a theatre nurse before and I've seen a lot of suturing and I just just was so I just remember thinking I've never seen anyone take this much care with suturing like it was just incredible and I have no ongoing issues from that at all and I think that's just incredible because it was honestly such a mess. <laughs> um, so they did that, and I, I really struggled during that. And you know, they gave me plenty of local, but just the thought of what's going on, um, I was crying a little bit. And they had Patty on my chest this um, after a while as well. Um, and they they were just so oh, everything just felt like it was so respectful and so on my terms. And then um, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it sounds like the first few hours, you know, after he was born, yeah, were quite quite intense, really, with just yeah. <laughs> managing that and everything. But yeah. um, once you'd kind of gotten all cleaned up and settled in, um, did he latch on to have a good feed and um, you guys able to get some sleep finally? Yeah, yeah, we had... Um, uh, my mum helped me have a shower and then we were tucked in on the couch in the lounge room. I just, um, our bed, you know, our bedroom was very high. It was quite a high bed. <laughs> um, and I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't get onto it. I couldn't 
open, even open my legs to get onto it sort of thing. Um, and so we had this low sort of sofa bed couch in our lounge room and we just, uh, they tucked us in on that and um, my dad came over, it's, oh, it was about five o'clock in the evening when he was born. And then I think my dad arrived at about, because he, he was home with their younger kids and he arrived at about nine um, and just came in and I just remember he just gave me a kiss and said, I'm so proud of you. And then I handed Paddy to him and that's it. I was asleep in about two seconds. Um, <laughs> he did, he had fed by then, I should say yes. Um, and I don't remember, to be honest, the first feed, which I'm a little bit sad about. We do have a video of it, but I don't remember it. And I think I was in such a state of exhaustion by then. Um, and probably a little bit of shock because the, like, the injuries were were quite bad um, and there was quite a bit of pain um, but he did latch and he did have a good feed um, and we didn't end up doing the proper breast crawl not because it wasn't offered just because I couldn't lie in a comfortable position and I couldn't I just couldn't sort of I just needed to sleep, <laughs> explain it. The breast crawl can take a really long time and I just was not in the headspace for it. So he had a feed, which was really beautiful. And they did say to me, you know, he can, he will still have the reflex to do the breast crawl and do a reset for the next couple of days. So you don't have to yeah. worry about it right now, which was really special. Um, but we were all tucked up in bed with him. And, and I, yeah, I fell asleep just after my dad arrived and I didn't wake up till the next morning. <laughs> so Lee, he must have had this big hibernation sleep that they can have sometimes. And Liam just did everything for him during the night. Um, he said, I think he said he latched him on at one point and he had a bit of a feed during the night while I was asleep, which is so beautiful. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I woke up in the morning and everyone was gone and my house had been tidied up. <laughs> and it was just the three of us and it really was just so beautiful. Um, and we had lots of visitors that day, which is just who we are. And I, I love the idea of, you know, just being the three of you in your bubble, but that's who we are. And we just loved, we had all the family over and all my younger siblings over and it was really, really special. But I did definitely start to realize that the recovery was going to be um was going to be a long one um just physically at that point um so i think i i do wish i'd heard a bit more about the first 40 days and things like that um uh, in hindsight because i think i tried to do a bit too much too quickly and i was a bit more a bit worried about having a clean house when um friends came over and things like that when I really couldn't walk at all <laughs> so I probably shouldn't have been um but it was such a special time and our midwives were um above and beyond like absolutely above and beyond just so incredible with everything um mm. yeah <laughs> I'm so yeah I'm really struck by your story I've been thinking a lot recently about um kind of um the way that we parent, but it sort of relates back into your birth story and this idea of the nuclear family and that everything that you and your family and all the support that you need is from each other and, you know, in, in labour and birth and postpartum, it's your partner who provides all of the support and then, you know, in parenting, they're the person you turn to when it's hard and back and forth and and it's really, it's actually not sustainable at all and even in the way that we 
you know, our partner is expected to be our best friend and our confidant and our lover and, and all yes. fulfill all of the roles and that that's also a lot of pressure to place on each other. And, yeah, just, um, yeah, your story is just really beautiful in the way that you are all of these other people to come in um, and, you, you, you know, you had such abundance of love and support and willing hands and yeah. not just from a practical point of view but, you know, the way that you did that work to make sure that emotionally that was actually going to be the best thing for you and the, that you were open to and, and comfortable to receive all of that support from all those people is, um, yeah, absolutely incredible. And I think, um, you know, as someone who went into my birth without a doula and, and, and I had two beautiful private midwives, Robbie and Lisa, who, um, you know, like they were amazing, of course, but I did for every other thing, expect my partner to fulfill all of those roles and, um, yeah. and probably he did a brilliant job, but you know, was dis I was probably disappointed and not supported as much as I could have been for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, so I think that's such a, gorgeous little takeaway and um, an inspiring story of how people can work towards bringing in a bit more of that village even in the most vulnerable vulnerable time so thank you so much for sharing it's yeah incredible oh no thank you yeah I just I do definitely feel really really blessed um, to have had that support like it's yeah and I've had to get used to that changing a lot when we've moved <laughs> a long way from our family but um yeah I, I just um yeah are we are we out of time <laughs> uh, almost <laughs> yeah if yeah. you have any if you have any kind of parting words that you'd like to share about your kind of adjustment to motherhood or yeah. um yeah or anything just on the topic then go for it yeah I like I just really really briefly just touch on um after yeah after we moved uh, so for the first uh six or seven months eight months I think when we moved um the first eight or eight months of Patty's life I was just absolutely I was loving motherhood you know it was really really hard as course you know um but absolutely loved it and he was breastfeeding like an absolute trooper julie bell came over and helped me so much with breastfeeding that i just feel so grateful i think our breastfeeding journey could have gone a complete other direction if it wasn't for her but um and we did the breast crawl and all of that so he was great feeder um which was awesome but um after we uh, robbie and lisa had said to me that they thought and particularly partly because of the injuries that i had um that there was, I was at risk of postnatal depression, but they said that they felt that I was fine because of the support that I had. Um, and that was really special that when we moved, that obviously changed. And um, a few months after we moved, I think Patty was about one, and I just went down this awful, awful, um, like really dark isolated path and uh, ended up being diagnosed with late onset postnatal depression and all I just want to say on that is that um, private midwives or at least mine are like family and they're forever <laughs> because uh, a year on from my birth I um, found myself uh, in Wangaratta at 11 p.m at night absolutely beside myself one night and Poor Liam didn't know what to do with me and I was having some of the most awful thoughts I've ever had in my life and I can't even believe that because it's so not me. But um, I was, you know, even 
thoughts of self-harm and things like that. And, and I picked up my phone and I called Lisa at 11 PM at night. Um, and I'm just, I remember thinking, this is so bad. Like, this is so crossing all the professional boundaries, <laughs> like as a nurse, just thinking, oh, this is awful to do this to her. But I just didn't know what else to do. And she was the most beautiful, beautiful support. And she said, um, hop in the car, get Liam, hop in the car and come down, stay with Erin. And just the fact that your midwife knows your sister's name and where she lives and <laughs> all that sort of stuff is incredible. Stay with Erin tonight and we'll see you in the morning. And she said, just get Patty out of bed, pop him in the car. And so we did. And we arrived at my sister's at 3am and we went and saw Robbie and Lisa the next morning. And from there on, I won't go into it, but they did so much for us um, a year on from having Patty. And they walked me through that journey with postnatal depression. And I came out the other side like I just never would have if I didn't have them. And just the most... Just, it was just the most profound. Lisa basically was a marriage counsellor for us. Like midwives take on so many roles and our marriage is stronger because of them and our, like, I now have this relationship with Patty that I don't think I would have had otherwise. Like that is just this incredible bond. And they just, I just can't say enough about, about our midwives and I just think all the time if every woman had that care, then it honestly doesn't matter what physiologically happens to them in their birth or what goes, you know, the things that you can't control don't matter because if every woman has that care, had that care, the entire world would just be a completely different place, like just completely different, you know, midwives heal mothers and mothers raise children and you know, children of the next generation. And it just absolutely am amazes me. And I'm still, I still contact my midwives regularly two years on and they're just, they're part of our family. And I just can't, I cannot speak highly enough of them. And I feel like I, I feel like I owe them my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. And I can, yeah, so relate to that. And um, yeah. yeah, 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 you're so right that um, if, and, and I mean, the whole the whole world would be a different place if women were receiving that sort of care mm -hmm. routinely. Because, yeah, it says something about the value that we place on women's experience of birth as well. And it sounds like you've done a complete roundabout in going in with that really yeah. classic. Um, the only thing that matters is that my baby lives. Yeah. To bring that around to being, you know, the most um, important aspect of parenting is that I'm taken care of yeah, you know it's 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 such a spin and um yeah, I think if systems could reflect that <laughs> that would be that would change the world yeah 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 mm, yep. amazing well thank you so much for sharing Rachel it's oh, beautiful you've so brought me to tears Thank you so much for having me. I just, I just think your podcast is so special. I listen, you know, listened to quite a few birth podcasts before yours, and just there's something so special about just hearing. Um, I feel like there's very few home birth stories that are negative, and just hearing positive story after positive story, and just these beautiful, you know, women receiving beautiful care. It's just been so encouraging, and I just want everyone to listen to it. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Oh, amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time this morning. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode with Rachel. You can find some photos from her birth and relevant links on my website, which is www.keepbirthwild.com.au. And I look forward to bringing you another episode next week. (laughs) 